0: Some incredibly rich and complicated lessons from Scripture today. And we have a week full of devastating anniversaries, as well as some anniversaries of good news. Last Friday was the anniversary of the loving decision where interracial marriage in Virginia became legal. This week we remember the fifth year anniversary of the killings of the Emanuel Nine at Mother Emanuel Church as they gathered for Bible study. We also commemorate Juneteenth when Enslaved peoples in Texas and Louisiana found out that they were legally free. Also, years later, at a Juneteenth celebration, we remember the massacre in Tulsa, Oklahoma, of a whole African-American community. These are hard facts of history and it is into that world that we are called and commissioned to serve Christ and to speak the good news and to point to the kingdom at hand, the kingdom of God the kingdom where all are healed, and cured, and loved, and valued. As I read the scriptures for today, I remembered that the beginning part of this long gospel text was the text, the gospel for a good friend of mine's ordination to the priesthood in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where I had the good pleasure to preach. I'll get back to that later. But because I was reminded that that was the gospel for the ordination of the first openly gay man in the Diocese of Louisiana, it brought me even deeper into thinking about the vocation to which God, Christ, Spirit, the Holy Trinity calls all of us, lay and ordained. The vocation in which we are to dust off, shake the dust off our feet if we're not welcome, in which we are to be like sheep among wolves, knowing people are hungry to devour the message of good news, that God loves all, cares for all, calls all equally to be dignified and valued in God's reign. A vocation of transforming the crosses of this life by witness to justice and God's peace and God's reign. So as I thought about this vision and this mission to which the gospel calls us and I remembered my friend's ordination. I also thought about so much about Mother Emmanuel and those nine faithful Christians that were gathered in prayer, including the pastor of Mother Emmanuel, who were gathered in prayer and Bible study and welcomed their killer into their midst. And I wondered about a church that would be so brave. Of course, they didn't know what he was going to do. But we are called not to be afraid of strangers, even when we know what they can do. Because whatever evil is perpetuated, when we open ourselves, the last word will not be evil. I want to tell you a little bit about that church. Under the leadership of Morris Brown, a free shoemaker, organizers established the Church for People of Color. Six years after its founding, The church was burned down when one of its ministers and founders, Denmark Vesey, was discovered as he tried to organize a major slave revolt. The plot created mass hysteria throughout the Carolinas and the South, and Vesey was hanged, according to Mother Emanuel's website and to the history books. The congregation was then forced to worship underground after black churches were outlawed altogether in Charleston in 1834. But the faithful did not waste time after the end of the Civil War, and in 1865 the name Emmanuel was formally recognized. The present church was built in 1891 by African Americans. Emmanuel A.M.E. is part of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, the world's oldest Christian denomination founded by African Americans. The church was born in protest against slavery, against the dehumanization of the African people brought to the American continent as labor, proclaims its website civil rights icon and co-founder of the NAACP, W.E.B. Du Bois, called the AME Church a, quote, social center of astonishing efficiency where the poor and ostracized meet in human sympathy, mutual charity, and encouragement to fight the battle of life. The martyrs of A.M.E., Emmanuel A.M.E., in South Carolina, have the last word for their roots. The roots of their faith are deeply grounded in a church that has known suffering, that has known intense suffering, St. Paul, in his letter to the Romans today, says we boast in our suffering because suffering produces endurance or character, which then produces hope. Suffering, character, endurance, hope, Their lives are the ones we look to when we thought, as I did, that there was no way in my lifetime that Confederate flags would be taken down off of the state capitol and states like Georgia, South Carolina, other places. And yet, because of their martyrdom, that symbol of hate was finally taken down. I wish they were still with us to give their testimony and to witness to their faith, but I know in some ways they are looking upon the rallies and the protests in honor of George Floyd's life, as the angels, the guardian angels, saying the labor, the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Keep going on the work and the mission that we are called to do. Do not let this moment pass. Do not just go to a rally and say George Floyd's name, and then forget about it in three months. Suffering builds character, which gives endurance which leads us to hope in the love of God, which is poured out in the Holy Spirit. Things can change, even when we despair that they never will, and even when evil is so strong in the hearts of some people that they would enter a Bible study. And massacre its participants. Sarah had given up hope. She had done some incredibly evil things in her time. She had given up hope that God would bless her with a child, and so she laughed when the angels. Said that she would conceive and bear a child maybe she laughed because she thought she didn't deserve it maybe she had forgotten what God can do and what God does even for the undeserving and of course God had the last word and out of that despair or lack of hope brought the child of life, whose first name means that laughter and that smile when a newborn is born. Going back to my friend, he, um, Tommy Dillon, some of you at Trinity know him know of him. We met at seminary. I was in my last year of my Master's of Divinity, and he was getting his second degree in liturgy. We graduated at the same time together, but because he was sponsored by the Diocese of Louisiana, which at that time would not ordain an openly gay person, his ordination was opposed. Uh, his church where he grew up, St. Luke's in Baton Rouge, would not approve him for ordination. There were people who actively opposed ordination, and even later there were people that said the church needed to be cleansed because of the presence of a gay man. I was ordained in 1996, but it took Tommy, Eight years, I think, withstanding that kind of vilification to break that barrier and be ordained at the very church where people had said that his presence was unwanted as an ordained person. The very church where he grew up and was formed in the faith. I had despaired that he would ever be ordained. He, wouldn't, he wanted to be ordained there where he had been formed. And I kept trying to say, come to El Salvador, go to Washington. But he wanted to be ordained where he was formed. And he did it without lying about his sexuality. And now he is a rector of a parish in Baton Rouge, the first openly gay rector of a parish in Baton Rouge, which I never could have imagined, even as he was being ordained. So that discrimination, that suffering that he endured, people called him terrible things. That suffering that he endured brought character, built endurance, and even today brings hope. June is Pride Month as well. And this gospel reminded me of his story, and what God can do when we witness, even in our suffering, to the love, and the strength, and the light, and the laughter of God's gift of life. Amen.